Hello, and welcome to another PDI podcast. I'm your host, Mark Oliver Wright, Clinical Science Liaison for the Central Region. With me today are two guests who will be engaged in a discussion on the roles and indeed the interrelationship between environmental services and infection prevention in healthcare today. Ms. Odette Perial, MS, CHESP, is the Vice President of Patient Care Support Services at Maine Medical Center in Portland, Maine, the largest of 13 hospitals within the Maine Health System. Before her transition to healthcare, Odette worked for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company for over 13 years in multiple leadership roles across the Americas and the Caribbean. Ms. Periel is a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives and the Association for the Healthcare Environment. AHE. Dr. Bill Ratala, PhD, MPH, CIC, is the director and co-founder of the statewide program for infection control and epidemiology and a professor for the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University of North Carolina's School of Medicine. He formerly served as the director of hospital epidemiology, occupational health and safety program at the University of North Carolina Hospitals. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Hello, Dr. Rotala. How are you? I'm doing very well, Odette. How are you this morning? I am great, thank you. You know, Dr. Rotala, I've had the pleasure of hearing you speak on multiple occasions, and I have to say those have been some great learning lessons for me. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast series which is designed to be a masterclass for environmental services leaders. So today's topic is going to be on healthcare environmental services and infection prevention, collaboration that is critical between both and, um, departments. So my first question for you, Dr. Ratala, is why is the knowledge and mastery of basic infection prevention standards and practices important for the ES team member? Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this with you, Odette. Um, I've had a lot of experience with my environmental service colleagues, and certainly I'd like to try to uh, discuss some of those experience with you this morning. First, let me mention, uh, before I talk about the mastery of basic infection prevention standards and practices, that environmental service workers, as you know well, are some of the unsung heroes in the COVID pandemic. Uh, they have swiftly implemented practices that are one of the first lines of defense against infection. That is, of course, the cleaning and disinfection of hospital equipment and environmental services and isolation rooms throughout healthcare facilities. In regard to the mastery of basic infection and prevention practices and standards, I think we have to certainly consider the science associated with how the environment leads to healthcare-associated infections. Of course, that provides an understanding of the value of their job and their purpose. When I was at uh, UNC hospitals for 38 years, uh, I read, met uh, at least weekly with someone from environmental services. And one of the things that we repeatedly talked about was essentially how they are so integral to infection prevention. Because as you know, uh, surfaces are contaminated about 25% of the time with epidemiologically important 
pathogens and of course that contamination occurs in rooms where there are patients that are on isolation for various epidemiologically important pathogens like MRSA and VRE. We know those epidemiologically important pathogens survive for days, weeks, and months. We know that when we contact that surface, that results in our hand contamination and disinfection reduces that microbial contamination on surfaces and reduces hand contamination. That's why disinfection reduces healthcare-associated infections. So if rooms are not adequately clean, that puts the next patient at risk of infection for the previous patient's pathogens. And that's been shown, as you know, for many epidemiologically important pathogens, such as MRSA and VRE and C. difficile. That is why, of course, it's very important to have thorough cleaning of patient rooms so you decrease the risk to the next patient. And we also know that that thorough cleaning and disinfection should be supplemented by no-touch room decontamination technologies, such as UVC or vaporized hydrogen peroxide, which has also been shown to reduce the risk. Environmental services, as I alluded to, are really a front line of infection prevention. By working collaboratively with clinical staff in infection prevention to ensure that pathogens are killed on environmental surfaces and that they're no longer a threat to patients. In my years at UNC Hospital, I was always impressed with the environmental service workers uh, because uh, I believe they knew their work was important. Their work was important in keeping patients safe and their work was important in keeping patients safe and preventing infections. I found that they took uh, great pride in their work and satisfaction with the quality of their disinfection uh, practices. I believe, of course, that environmental service workers, like most people, are motivated by a purpose. So I guess I would summarize, I think it's very important that uh, environmental services understand how uh, their activities are critical to infection prevention programs by, of course, removing pathogens that could be at risk at patients to patients. And, of course, we can share with them the scientific literature which demonstrates that thorough and complete room decontamination reduces microbial contamination and, of course, reduces healthcare and associated infections. And that is accomplished by environmental service workers. And I think infection prevention uh, and, of course, environmental services have to work uh, collaboratively. Um, infection prevention needs to help the environmental service workers and the environmental service leadership understand their role is integral to infection prevention. And they certainly need to promote environmental services important in the organization through conversations with leadership. And I think all of that is essential component of a patient safety program. Very well said, Dr. Atala. Thank you so much. And, you know, I really think from the ES leader's perspective, um, that really sums up why it's important for their team members to know about infection prevention and connect their function with their purpose. My next question, Dr. Atala, is what three things should all ES leaders know about infection prevention? Yeah, the three things that I would mention 
are the following. And I imagine uh, other people would have other ideas, but I would say the three things to me are to make sure, as I think they do, the environmental service leaders understand that improving the thoroughness of cleaning and disinfection reduces microbial contamination. And that that reduction in microbial contamination prevents healthcare associated infections. Odette, as you know well, uh, some data have demonstrated that uh, maybe 35 to 40% of surfaces are clean and disinfected after discharge or terminal cleaning. And that's why, of course, we have this emphasis on thoroughness of cleaning and this emphasis on thoroughness of cleaning through various tools such as recent markers and ATP markers to improve the thoroughness of cleaning. Of course, that thoroughness of cleaning reduces microbial contamination, that reduction in microbial contamination prevents infections, and of course, all of that is combined with no-touch room decontamination technology. So that would be my first thing. My first thing is improve the thoroughness of cleaning and disinfection, which reduces microbial contamination, which of course prevents infection. And I think the second and third thing would be related to how infection prevention should work uh, collaboratively with environmental services. I think infection prevention can work with environmental services to ensure that administration knows that environmental services are essential to patient safety by preventing infections. I think we'll have an opportunity to talk a little bit about how we at UNC hospitals have worked with environmental services and gone to the chief operating officer and the chief financial officer to emphasize how their services are so important to infection prevention and how their staff cannot be reduced. They have to allow adequate staffing for effective cleaning and disinfection of patient rooms. And of course, in some cases have capital equipment for implementation of the no-touch room decontamination technologies. So my second thing would be infection prevention certainly has to work with environmental services to ensure administration knows how essential they are. And I think the third would be because environmental services is integral to infection prevention in their efforts to prevent uh, HAIs or healthcare associated infections, infection prevention can assist environmental services acquire, or in some cases not lose resources through conversations with the COO or the CFO. I've alluded to this a couple times, but I can uh, remember several situations at UNC hospitals where at budget time, there was an interest in reducing, reducing FTEs. And it seemed like every time there was an interest in reducing FTEs, there was an, uh, it became an interest in reducing FTEs in environmental services, either environmental services or plant engineering or food and nutrition. And of course, we uh, went to the CFO and the COO and talked about how essential environmental services are to infection prevention program and how essential it is that they be adequately staffed. So we supported that there be no reductions in their FTEs. Additionally, uh, when there was an opportunity to buy capital equipment for no-touch room decontamination technology, we prepared in collaboration with our environmental service colleagues a justification for that new equipment. And that justification provided data to 
the administration, uh, again, it was the CFO and the COO, about how this new equipment was going to reduce healthcare-associated infections and how this data was in the peer-reviewed literature and how several studies in the peer-reviewed literature demonstrated this relationship between good cleaning and disinfection, reducing infections, and the use of no-touch room decontamination technologies reducing healthcare-associated infections. So fortunately, we had an opportunity to assist our environmental service uh, colleagues on a few occasions. Uh, we, we enjoyed our work with our environmental service colleagues. Uh, I found them always to be motivated, and I found them always to be concerned about their contribution to prevention of healthcare-associated infections, but sometimes they were resource constrained and we tried to improve uh, the resources, whether they were capital equipment or whether they were FTEs and allowing them to perform their job optimally. So Dr. Rotala, you have spent a little time talking about how integral it is for environmental services and infection prevention to work hand in hand. What advice would you give to an environmental services leader who says, I don't have a relationship with my infection prevention team in my facility? Well, that's a good question, Odette. I would uh, ask them to uh, arrange a meeting as soon as possible. And at that meeting, I would discuss the importance and the synergy of environmental services and infection prevention and preventing healthcare associated infections. I was thinking about some of the uh, ways that uh, we work with environmental services. As I mentioned, uh, I would have some interaction at least weekly with my colleagues in environmental services, and I was thinking about how that would happen. And of course, uh, generally, uh, it happened extemporaneously. Uh, they would call or send an email, but we also had regular meetings. And uh, at those uh, weekly interactions with my uh, colleagues from environmental services, we would talk about the things that we had in common. Uh, and the things that we had in common were things such as uh, the disinfectant that was selected for use on disinfecting non-critical patient care equipment in environmental services. We would talk about uh, the cleaning and disinfecting practices to include improving the thoroughness of cleaning and disinfection, the competencies and training of the staff who perform the cleaning and disinfecting. We would talk about the cleaning monitoring with auditing tools such as fluorescent markers and how environmental services was going to assist us in performing hand hygiene compliance monitoring. At UNC hospitals, we have this clean in, clean out program where all healthcare workers, to include environmental services, monitors workers for hand hygiene as they enter and they exit a room. So we were talking about how they would participate in that clean in, clean out program. We would talk about other important things, such as uh, different isolation signs and the PPE associated with each isolation type. And of course, we would talk about the daily and the terminal cleaning practices and of course, the special isolation practices for C. difficile or norovirus, or the practices of cleaning and disinfecting in the operating rooms, or of course, when there were new standards from organizations like the CDC or ARN or the Association for Healthcare Environment, how we would be implementing those standards if they were evidence-based 
and something that we could improve our practices. And we would talk about other important things and certainly important now, which of course is how to correctly don and doff PPE. As you know, if you inappropriately take PPE off, you can contaminate yourself with some of these epidemiologically important pathogens. So we wanted to make sure that they knew how to appropriately apply and remove the PPE. So there was no exposure to them of some of these epidemiologically important pathogens. And of course, we talked about other things uh, such as uh, dilution requirements for disinfectants if it was not a ready to use product. And if in fact it wasn't a ready to use product, that we should ensure proper dilution by some measurement methods. And of course, we were very involved, as you know well, in uh, the daily huddles. And we talked about those huddles and essentially what we wanted to communicate at those continuing education uh, offerings. And as I alluded to in a few minutes ago, we talked about how critical environmental services was based upon the science. The science that demonstrates that surfaces are contaminated, people touch those surfaces and they can transfer pathogens either to themselves, or of course, to patients, or in some cases to uh, other healthcare providers. And of course, uh, not only were some of these meetings extemporaneous, but some of them were regularly scheduled and we would talk about uh, things such as uh, uh, quality assurance measures. And because of course of these quality assurance measures, they were on our hospital infection control committee. At that hospital infection control committee, they had an opportunity to understand what the infection rates were at uh, UNC hospitals or any hospital in the country. And of course, they had an opportunity to report some quality assurance metrics, such as their compliance data or their thoroughness rates. So we worked very collaboratively on all those topics and to include some topics that I didn't mention to include uh, construction rounds construction rounds where, of course, it was critical that after construction uh, and before construction, they would be involved essentially in the construction project so they would know uh, when projects were completed and, of course, at the end of day to ensure that there was not dust and debris that could contaminate uh, patient care areas in the area of the construction. So um, we had a very a close relationship. Um, another thing that we did that I didn't mention is we developed a team. We developed a team to examine all the objects in patient rooms and ensure someone was responsible for all the objects and all the services in the patient room. Obviously, environmental services was very critical to that team because we wanted to have a every object identified someone responsible for every object many times it was environmental services but many times it was other healthcare workers who were responsible for some object in that room and of course this allowed us to create checklists that would allow more standardization of room cleaning by our colleagues in environmental services so we had a, a very close relationship, and if a hospital does not have a close relationship, I would ask them to arrange a meeting uh, today uh, or as soon as possible. 
and I would ask them to consider all the things that I discussed and probably some things I didn't discuss because I forgot. <laughs> I don't think you forgot anything, Dr. Ratala. You gave a really good detailed list of how infection prevention and environmental services can partner and some ways in which they can do that. And I know um, not all of my colleagues out there, I remember when I was a director of environmental services, I would hear from others who said that they didn't have as good a relationship as I had with my infection prevention team at the facilities that I worked at. Um, so thank you. If you missed it, what Dr. Ratala was saying is, if you don't have a good relationship, you need to start today. So go out there, arrange a meeting with your infection prevention team. And he gave us multiple ways in which we can connect and things that we can work together between infection prevention and environmental services. So thank you for that, Dr. Ratala. Great tips. Thank you. Now, I have another question, if you may indulge me. How can we recognize or environmental services workers in healthcare? What would you um, give us an answer to that? Yeah, I'm sure you would agree that um, we are not doing enough. And I mm -hmm. certainly uh, believe we could do more. Uh, I think we need to do a better job of uh, recognizing or rewarding or honoring uh, environmental service workers for their work, not only during the uh, uh, COVID pandemic, but their work every day to prevent healthcare associated infections. I saw, and I think you probably saw a very nice paper uh, in May 2020 in the Annals of Internal Medicine on how to invest in environmental service workers. Uh, and they provided some excellent ideas. So I'm gonna borrow some of their excellent ideas as I remember them. And I'm probably going to uh, skip a few, so I may ask you if you're interested to review that paper. Um, they talked about, of course, well, something we've talked about uh, in these few minutes, and that is building a culture of respect. Uh, building a culture of respect through recognition that environmental service workers are essential to patient safety and ensure that they have enough time to perform their task. I think that's critical. And of course, we talked a little bit about how we build this culture of respect through interaction with the COO, of course, the CFO in some cases, and of course, opportunities for infection prevention and environmental services to discuss their collaboration and to discuss how important they are to prevention of healthcare associated infections. Another thing, of course, that I alluded to is avoid understaffing. Of course, we have to have adequate staffing to ensure enough time to perform the thoroughness of cleaning that we need in order to have thorough removal of these pathogens so the next patient is not exposed to the previous patient's pathogen. Of course, uh, Odette, I'm, some, I'm sure something that uh, you were very familiar with, of course, retaining workers with better wages. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we certainly have to uh, offer uh, our environmental service colleagues a wage commensurate with their importance in the healthcare facility. And of course, we have to provide accessible training materials and accessible training materials and training opportunities. Uh, at UNC hospitals, we had these daily huddles and I'm sure you've had something like that, but every day there's an opportunity to train 
So these would be very brief interactive training opportunities to talk about something that is important, which might be essentially how to uh, apply or remove uh, a gown properly. And the other thing that I think is becoming uh, uh, more current is incentivizing certificate programs. Uh, as you are familiar with, there is an organization of the American Hospital Association called the Association for the Healthcare Environment. And they have a certificate program for environmental service workers. I think it's called uh, Certified in Healthcare Environmental Services Technician, uh, the CHEF CHEST certification. So that's something we can certainly uh, consider. And then, of course, other things that are important to everyone to include uh, providing adequate health insurance, providing sick leave. There are some of the things that I think we can do to recognize and honor, uh, reward uh, the environmental service worker. And I think if we had a few minutes, we probably could think of even more. You are so right, Dr. Atala. You know, I am also a T-Chest, so I'm a certified trainer for the CHEST program, and I do agree that that's one of the wonderful programs that exist out there. And um, in my last organization, we actually attached that to different levels of a career ladder program where um, once a team member completed it, it was um, attached to an increase and they had different levels that we had, um, and it helped us with recruiting, retaining our team members, and also helping them to advance and grow as well. So I agree with that. Um, Dr. Atala, great talking to you. Um, I know this article you mentioned is also really powerful because at my current hospital, a team of hospitalists, uh, after reading that article published in May, they did a wonderful recognition for our environmental services team here for us in Maine. Um, and it was so creative and so unique. It really hit home for a team member. So they really enjoyed that. Again, great talking with you. Um, this truly was a masterclass, um, and I know I benefited from it, and I hope my colleagues out there are also going to benefit from this conversation. Again, thank you, Dr. Ratala. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Odette. This has been a PDI podcast. This is the first of a two-part series on the interrelationship between infection prevention and environmental services. Please join us for the second podcast in this series, where we will cover strategies for success, pandemics, and emerging pathogens. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for all that you do as you continue to be the difference.